0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the FanSide network. This is your host Alex Pat alongside Adam McGuinness. We have some breaking breaking news. According to Ken Rosenthal, the Chicago Cubs have finally finally worked out a deal that includes a major league contract, not a minor league contract, not an invite to spring training not some small trade, a Major League contract. Woo! It only took until January 24th to see the words Major League Deal, Cubs, both in the same tweet by Ken Rosenthal. We got that to talk about. We have Cubs kind of talk about. And whatever comes our way on this really crappy Friday night, at least it's, it's crappy here in Chicago. So stick with us. We got a lot to talk about, Adam. How are you?
1: Fantastic.
0: Awesome to hear. Awesome to hear. Are you as psyched as I am? A a major league deal. Oh yeah, I I I can't can't even contain it.
1: Ah, you just took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, I I just don't even know what to do with myself.
0: I, I, I don't know what to do with my hands. They're kind of waving around right now, and they're they're starting to slap me in the face, so I better stop. Yeah, I'm pretty uh, shaky
1: myself. It's
0: So let's talk about this deal in all seriousness. So according to Ken Rosenthal, the Cubs are working on a deal with Steven Souza Jr. Steven Souza is an outfielder, primarily right field. He was with the Rays and the Diamondbacks, And began his career in the Nationals organization. He only played 21 games there at the Major League level in 2014. But he spent most of his time with the Rays. He missed last year due to a bunch of tears, ligaments, multiple of them. Uh, So he's back, ready to play. And what's interesting about him is he had a really good 2017 season last the last year he played 2018 he only played in 72 games the numbers were not very good but you see the seasons he had in Tampa Bay you see a guy that has some value there, there are some things that I'm not crazy about but there are some things that I do like I mean what are your overall thoughts on because I think the way I'd sum it, up, sum it up is it's it's a move, it's an okay one. It's not mind-blowing, it's not bad. It's just, it's it's fine, I guess.
1: Uh, to me, Steven Souza is uh, the outfielder version of Daniel Descalso, but with a lot more pop in his bat. I think that you'll see that the average numbers and the on-base will be you know league average at best but with with some home run potential there if he stays healthy that's the way i see him uh i don't he's not going to be an everyday starter i don't think uh i mean maybe maybe that happens i don't know but right now i i see him as a really good depth outfield piece and that's about it
0: yeah, so looking at his numbers overall, he's a career two hundred thirty-three hitter, which is very Daniel Descalso like. Three twenty on base, also Daniel Descalso like. I mean, he y- you pretty much hit the nail on the head there with those numbers. I think yeah, it'll, d-
1: it'll it a lot of it'll really come down to, to Albert Almora. Um if Almora can can be a two eighty-ish hitter, then I think he can get some serious playing time. If he's going to perform like he performed last year, then I think maybe you see the Cubs entertain the idea of moving Hayward to center field and having Souza be the primary right fielder. I, I could see that being a possibility. I would think, though, that as of right now, the plan is for him to be depth.
0: Yeah, I don't see him playing every day. His career high in games was 148. That was in 2017, the season I told you about. And... He, you know, it's it's funny. You look at the average and the on-base, they're literally identical to Daniel DeScalso, but he's a career 103 WRC+. plus. In 2017, he was a 121 WRC+, plus, and this is what really catches my eye. He was a 3.8 F4 player that year. Now, I think it might be fair to say that that was a career year for him, but if you look at the season's... Prior to that, the year before, 120 games, he was a 0.9 F4. So, I mean, pretty average. Yeah. And the year before that, 1.5. Now, okay, Jake Meisner, our great editor-in-chief, tweeted this out where he said, too many comps have been made to Nicholas Castellanos. Now, I, I'm I'm just going to say this, and I'm not saying he's anywhere near as good as what I think Castellanos could be. I mean, Castellanos is going to be an everyday player. Sousa is not. The 1.5 F war in 2015 is around where the projections are for Castellanos this coming year. But even so, that 1.5 F four year in 2015 with the Rays, Sousa hit 225, 318, 399. I think you're going to see better numbers from that from Nicholas Castellanos. I, the nice thing that I can say, which you kind of mentioned about Souza, is he, he has some pop in him. He had 30 home runs in 2017. Yeah, uh, he's, he's got some decent pop to him, which can give him some, some added value, obviously. His career OPS is just above average. He's not going to hit for average. He's not going to be an on-base machine. It's...
1: Yeah, it is what it is, but and he's definitely not terrible. That's why I see him as depth because w- when you look at Steven Souza's numbers and what he's accomplished, I really don't see anything that the Cubs don't already have somewhere else. In fact, when I look at Steven Souza's 2017 slash line, it actually reminds me a lot of Kyle Schwarber. And obviously, you've got more pop potential in Kyle Schwarber, but hitting around 240, getting on base at a 350-ish clip, hitting a lot of homers—that's Kyle Schwarber.
0: Hmm. Sure. I. That, that's a good point. And the the other thing that I think is really important to remember, and this was talked about by Theo Epstein recently, uh, when we're talking about this outfield right now, the starting center fielder on the depth chart. I don't know if this is going to be what David Ross is going to is going to go for, but We also got to remember, Ian Happ is still a thing. And I do think there is still promise with Ian Happ. You look at his career numbers, you see the strengths and the weaknesses. And if he cut down on the weaknesses, then you see a lot of the strengths come through. It would not be surprising to me to see Ian Happ have one of the best offensive uh, seasons among outfielders next year. I mean, the competition you're going against... Kyle Schwarber is going to be the big bopper. I think he's going to be the guy who drives in the most runs, hits the most home runs. I think Ian Happ can be a guy where you're nice and balanced, where you have pop, you have on base, and Schwarber can get on base too. But I think Ian Happ can really take a step next year. Jason Hayward will put up solid numbers, but he's not a big power guy. Souza, we'll see with him. He's coming off a major injury, so we'll really see with him. Yeah. And then you have what, what's left. You have a bunch of guys that may or may not make it or may just play there sparingly, like Albert Amora. You don't know if he's going to make the roster or not. If right. If Hernan Perez makes it and he plays every now and then, he's going to be playing very, very sparingly. And Chris Bryant's probably not going to play in the outfield as much. It just so there's more... a lot of things to think about.
1: More and more, Albert Almora kind of feels like the odd man out there. But, I mean, and going back to Ian Happ, again, I I think the problem with Ian Happ, he's got some holes in his swing still uh, that he's going to have to figure out because as it stands right now, there's really nothing that Ian Happ brings to the table that the Cubs don't already have uh, with Kyle Schwarber or Steven Souza. I mean, Schwarber really is, at the plate, just a, a better version of Ian Happ. Low average, decent on base with some pop. Uh, so the, Ian Happ's got to figure something out to set himself uh, apart from the crowd. Give give David Ross a reason to keep him around long term. I think if he cuts down a bit on the strikeouts, I think he can
0: not get a, a better average. Not a good good a great average hitter, but a better one. And yeah, league I, average. We've would seen be that okay. power. Yeah, Boy, we've seen that power. I, I think I think there's still a lot of potential in Ian Happ. And I, I think he's got a great eye at the plate. It's not that he swings at pitches outside the zone. It's where he can't hit him in the zone. Yeah, he doesn't exactly. swing at pitches outside the zone. He has the good eye.
1: Yeah, it's so I, that that high strike, I think, if I remember right, is is what he struggles with a lot.
0: Definitely one of the struggles in his swing. And I think looking at this outfield as a whole – kind of talking about it for Cubby's Crib now, uh, writing for it. I think you're going to see a lot of platooning this year. I think you have the opportunity to platoon guys in right field and center field. Now, obviously, Hap is a switch hitter, but in right, if you do more platooning with Hayward and you play to his strengths and you use Souza in certain situations because you'll have Hayward, a lefty, and you'll have Souza, who's a righty. So if you need a platoon there, you can – because uh, he is primarily a right fielder or if they're Davis you want Souza and Hayward in the lineup you could slide Hayward over to center field if needed kind of like you hinted to earlier Th- there's there's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of shuffling I think in the outfield it's just for me the biggest concern with this move personally and I think other people would agree he's another guy that strikes out more than you'd like and i think yeah. one of the biggest things the cubs need moving forward are more guys that could just make better contact
1: unfortunately i think you're right i think we will see a lot of platooning in the outfield i'm not a big fan of that especially for this team because the cubs in particular the last couple of seasons have really struggled with consistency and when you're platooning guys it's hard for them to get into a rhythm Uh, and and so I I just don't know that that solves their problem I would rather you you find your set of guys and and just have those be your primary three Uh, shuffle guys in and out late in games or, or you know every few days as you need to but I just personally I'm not a big fan of seeing a different outfield lineup every day. I don't think that helps guys get into a decent rhythm, but that's just my opinion. I think it
0: depends on who we're talking about, because if you're talking about a guy like Ian Happ, if he's going to become what we want him to be, he's going to need to be playing more often than not. Whereas I think Jason Hayward, he's a veteran enough. He's been around long enough where a platoon in that spot could work. Uh, especially for a guy even if he doesn't start you want to bring him late in the game for defense or a pinch hit it's nice to have I think it's good to have depth like that with left field you know right now it's like Kyle Schwarber is clearly the number one guy and in right field Jason Hayward is right now the number one guy but he could be shifted around a lot. That's the thing. He'll be more of an everyday player than not, but he just won't have that one solidified position. Whereas Kyle Schwarber, he's either in left field or on the bench. And I think Ian Happ is going to play more center than any other position, which the the thing with me is I I think Ian Happ is a better corner outfielder personally, but you only have so many spots.
1: Yeah, I think he he's basically just average wherever you put him. Ian Hap's value is not really in his defense. It's in the the pop potential, I think. Sure. Uh and maybe that'll be the area where he sets himself apart. I mean if he can be if he could be a consistent twenty five home run guy, you know, that's something. But but then again, you know the Cubs aren't really lacking in home runs either. They're, they're very much a, a power-hitting team. Where, where they lack is consistency at the plate and, mm-hmm. and guys who can hit for a decent average. That's not going to be Ian Happ, I don't think.
0: No, I mean, not a lot of these guys will. Your decent average guys, you're looking at guys who can, can – just not even in the outfield, just in general. You guys, regardless of average – Guys, you know that can make contact are like Anthony Rizzo, J- Jason Hayward. He might not be bad for a high average, but he makes contact. He doesn't
1: strike out. Yeah, a lot. he he doesn't strike out a lot. No. And really, that's maybe Victor
0: Caratini because think about it: Wilson Contreras, you got Bryant, good average. And,
1: Bryant and yeah. Bias, yeah, they're gonna Bias will strike, strike out, out a lot, but they'll like, hit for a good average too. Sure.
0: Sure. I'm just talking about contact, just flat contact.
1: Yeah. Yeah. As, yeah, as far as contact goes, Rizzo's your guy who's going to make contact more often than not, not strike right, out. He's the most yeah. complete hitter of anyone on that team.
0: I, uh, by far, because he makes contact. He yeah. has as good as ba- of at-bats as anyone
1: Flashier numbers than Bryant, but Bryant's going to strike out a lot more. Bryant's going to have more slumps. Rizzo is far and away your most consistent, uh, dependable hitter.
0: Yeah, and I've said this many times before on the show. If he wanted to sell out and try to swing for the fences more, he could clearly be a 40, 45 home run hitter, but mm-hmm. his on-base and average would go down. He is the perfect type of blend of right. being able to hit for some pop but also not selling out and being able to have long lengthy at-bats the ability to just poke the ball when you're down in the count and get on base or at least make contact or to
1: take a walk I agree because I and you know last season a lot of people brought it up saying you know, why Rizzo's power numbers seem to be kind of dipping and I, I'm, I'm with you I don't necessarily think that that's regression on his part. I think that's him just playing to what the Cubs need, being the kind of hitter that they needed at that point in time. Because I agree with you. I think that he could be a 40 home run guy if he wanted to be, but that's not what the Cubs need. I would argue that last
0: year was one of his very best offensive seasons in his career. He had a career high and on base, he had a career high in average. Not quite slugging. It wasn't quite there, obviously. I mean, it, that shouldn't be a surprise. Not quite in WRC+, plus, but, I mean, still. he His WRC+, plus last year, was over 140 for the first time since 2016, since they won the World Series. Uh, the slugging was above 500 for the first time since 2017, which is not a long time, but I'm just saying uh, his war, his F war, was 4.0. Again, not his highest, but all things considered, it was one of his best offensive seasons just from an approach standpoint.
1: So anyone anyone who's overly concerned about Rizzo's power numbers dipping, you can just go to his baseball reference page and you can notice the trend. As his power numbers go down slightly, so do the strikeouts significantly. And if it was just regression, if it was purely regression, I think you'd see the same strikeout numbers. But his strikeout numbers are going way down. I mean, you pair last year's slash line with just 86 Ks. That's really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, think about it.
0: It's hard to hit a home run when you're down 0-2 and you're choking up on the bat. A lot of guys will strike out. Rizzo will just choke up on the bat and poke it
1: somewhere. It's it's really respectable, too, in this age of baseball when it's all about the home run. I mean, mm-hmm. it, there's such a premium on home runs these days that it's all about the long ball. Yeah, that's that's very so true. To, to willingly give that up in this era would be tough, I would think, when you know that you have the potential to, uh, to keep up with these 40, 50 home run guys. Because, look— 20, when
0: you match everything together and you balance everything out with Rizzo, twenty-seven home runs is nothing to be ashamed of. It, it no, may not, not at look all. may
1: not look as good in this day and age, but I mean, think about it. Well, it, it's it's all about context too. I mean, it, it twenty-seven home runs. The way you look at that, it depends on what team you're on. The Cubs have a lot of home run hitters, so twenty-seven mm-hmm. home runs out of Rizzo is perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're on a team where you don't have a ton of home run hitters, then, then 27, if that's your best, is going to be kind of low. But you've got a lot of pop out of most of the Cubs lineup. And you look at
0: those 27 home runs and you think, okay, the guy's got good power. But the thing is, if you watch him hit home runs... He can destroy the ball. I mean, oh, yeah. you, you, th- you look at his numbers and say, oh, you know, he probably hits like line drives over the wall, just kind of low line drives like an Ernie ba-. No, he can hit some absolute Titanic blasts. He can. His power yeah. swing is elite. He just doesn't always break out the driver when he knows he can shorten up, lengthen the at bat and have a higher chance of getting on base.
1: Yeah, he, I he think plays. That's the way to put it. Yeah, I think he just plays smart baseball. So, going, you know, rounding
0: this all together, there's not a lot of guys that have that kind of approach, especially not on the Cubs. It's a special approach, and he's far and away the best professional hitter now. You had a guy in Ben Zobrist who could do that, but he's gone now. I mean, losing him just contact-wise and approach-wise, they're going to miss that. And you know what? They really missed it last year when he was gone all those months.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, that just goes back to what we've been saying all along, is the Cubs are really hurting for better contact guys.
0: Right. You'll have good approach guys like Bryant and Ian Happ and Schwarber. They may still have holes in their swings, but... Yeah. They'll have good approaches in terms of lengthy at-bats and taking walks. There's You kind of look at each side. You look at those who have good approaches, which is obviously very valuable. And then you have Rizzo, who not only has good approaches, but good contact rate. Because you can walk a lot and strike out a lot, too. Where Rizzo can do both. He can walk a lot and make a lot of contact. That type of balance... Is really lacking. I mean, Chris Bryant is the most talented guy in the Cubs. Don't get me wrong. He's going to hit a lot of home runs. He's going to hit a lot of doubles and take a lot of walks and whatnot. But you see in situations where you need just contact and you're able to beat him. If you throw the right stuff in the right area, he'll he'll strike out. He will strike out. And obviously with Baez, he doesn't walk. He hits for a lot of power, good average. But he doesn't even have the amazing approach either smashes the ball or he strikes out. Great right. player, but that's just that's just what he is. That's the yeah. truth.
1: Yeah, if the game is on the line, it's come down to the last strike, Rizzo's the guy I want up, not Baez or Bryant. If no, I I'm agree being honest, yeah.
0: And we're not I I'm not trying to get into the Bryant isn't clutch narrative because I think it's kind of overblown. We're just talking from a pure approach standpoint because Chris Bryant has come through many more times some people give him credit for. But if you just look at the abilities of each player in certain situations, you want certain guys in certain spots. That That's fair, right? Yeah, I would say so. And look, Albert Amora doesn't strike out a lot, but the problem is his contact isn't good contact. That's one of the biggest problems.
1: Right. I still am... I'm fairly optimistic about Almora. I think that he can be quite a bit better than what he was last year. I'm, so I, I'm not totally ready to give up on him yet. Uh, having said that, if he's going to continue to be what he was last year, then you obviously can't just roll with that either. Right.
0: And, you know, I was really high when, on him when he was young because in the smaller sample sizes of like 2016 and 2017, it – Again, the, the sample size wasn't huge, but I'm like, man, th- this kid, he doesn't have power, but he can hurt the ball and he can hurt it good. 2017, he played in 132 games. It's kind of easy to forget he played in that many games. Uh, obviously, not where all starts, but that year he batted 298, 338, 445, a WRC plus of 104. And that's when I really was high on him because I'm like, look, he's not going to hit home runs. He's not going to draw a lot of walks, but he can really put a hurting on the ball and find grass. And then 2018, he got off to that great start and slumped. I think you look at 2018, you realize, well, the first half of the season, he had a very high BABIP, and a lot of those weak grounders were finding holes. And I don't want to fully take away that first half of his, but I think with the combination of the Babbitt fortune kind of turning its it's tide on him and adjustments made by the league. You saw the struggles come back in the second half. And then obviously last year was just uh, it, it was not not good. And if you look at fan graphs and you look at the contacts, what what he hit, where he hit it when you have a ground ball rate of over 50 percent. I mean, that's pretty telling right there.
1: Yeah. I still I think he can be the way he was in twenty seventeen. I think I do believe he can get back to that.
0: I'm just not sure. I, I'm really not. And I just don't know how long we can wait for that to potentially come.
1: At the very least, I'm willing to give him a chance to prove he can be that guy again. I don't
0: necessarily like relying on spring training because spring training stats could be incredibly misleading for a number of reasons. But I feel like he's going to have to really impress in spring training. I, I think you said he's kind of the odd man out. I think that's pretty accurate. I think the Cubs realize that they can't continue to have what he's given us the past year and a half realistically every day. Certainly not at leadoff, that's for sure. But he's got to at least build some confidence and you want to see him just hit the ball harder and not on the ground in spring training. And again, I don't think that's going to be enough to convince me right then and there, but it'll at least make a case for him.
1: I, I think so too. I I think that's a fair point. I, I think that a lot of that will come down to spring training uh, because you know, Coming off of a pretty disappointing year last year, to say the least, if he's underwhelming in spring training, then it's going to be awfully hard to make the case that he should be getting some significant playing time in 2020.
0: And even if he does make the roster, I don't think he's going to be getting a whole lot of time.
1: I, I agree. I, I agree with that. I mean, there's you look at the guys that they've got now, It it's it's hard to see how he would get that much time.
0: Here's something else I wanted to point out about El and I think maybe this kind of flew under the radar last year because most people were kind of focusing on the offense, but the defense from him last year really took a step backwards, really took a step backwards. If you look at the metrics on fan graphs, and I I know metrics for defense can be kind of controversial, But just bear with me here, just to put it in perspective. We remember those highlight reel plays he made in 2018, right? You remember them. I remember them. They're hard to forget. That year, he was nine defensive runs saved, a UZR 150 of 2.9. So that's in the positive. That's in the green, so to speak. It's the best analogy I could put with that. Um, Last year was... Minus five defensive runs saved, so in the negatives, and minus four point one in UZR one hundred and fifty, and UZR means ultimate zone rating, just just FYI. I, and look, we saw regression in the field. Whether the whatever the metrics say, it's it's obvious. He wasn't getting there as fast. He wasn't making the plays he was. And it kind of felt like last year any diving plays he made were kind of the well you didn't have to dive but you dove to make it look better if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, so- he did the, the classic uh classic high school move diving when it's not necessary. <laughs> It's for you hockey fans out
0: there. It's like the Patrick Wah glove save, where a routine save in the glove, and you kind of you wave your arm to make it look like you really stretched out yeah. for it to snag the puck.
1: Yeah. In the in the summer times, I I run scoreboard for a high school for our high school baseball team, uh, and I can't even tell you how many times up there I've turned to someone and said, "Did he really need to dive there?" <laughs> Right. It's just so what those you, you ob- it's just what they do.
0: You obviously know so you obviously know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that's something to keep in mind too. Now you could look at the fielding percentage and see, well, technically his fielding percentage was only like a few ticks lower, but fielding percentage again is very misleading because Fielding percentage is—it doesn't give anyone a sense of range and tracking of the ball and routes run. It's basically if if you're at the ball, do you catch it or do you drop it? It's basically what fielding percentage is.
1: Which, if you know, if he's going to be less productive at the plate, then he really can't afford to drop off defensively either, I mean— Things right. don't look great for Al. I'm I'm pulling for him. I'm pulling for him as hard as anyone because I I like the guy and I think he can still be uh, a contributor. But as it is, things don't look great.
0: No, and I, I like you. I really like him too. He seems like a really good character, a really positive minded guy, a really easy guy to root for. I think my hope for him is he goes to another organization and he finds his niche there because sometimes a change of scenery can really open your eyes to something and you can make changes for the better. I hope he becomes a successful major league ball player someday. I just think if that happens, I I, I don't see it being here.
1: I still want it to be here because going back to 2017, you look at the player he was in 2017, that's the kind of bat the Cubs could use right now. And so he should see this as an opportunity to to make himself valuable to this organization.
0: Well, I, I would certainly like that. I just don't know if, if I'm counting on it is what I'm saying. Oh, I'm
1: I'm absolutely not counting on it. I'm certainly not expecting it. I just think that it is an opportunity for him.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. He's gonna try to gonna try to make an impact greatly, and if you look at 2017 versus 2019, the hard contact is about the same. Uh, this is again FanGraphs batted ball, but what strikes me is the soft contact. In 2017, it was 19.9. Last year, it was 23.9. So pretty much 24 percent. It's a 4% raise. It may not seem like a lot, but when you think about it, you know percentages can make all the difference. And the ground ball rate in 2017 was still around 50%, but it was just below where last year it was above. And the sample size was a little different because you look at starting versus coming off the bench and and, and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, overall, I think you could say numbers are pretty obvious that he was – better in 2017 than he was last year there's there's no question about it the slash line was higher the war was higher the production overall was higher drove in more runs the, the only thing really did better last year was hit more homers but then again who didn't
1: yeah yeah That's
0: and his bad his bad last year was 255 but you got to remember this is not a case of bad luck. It's the fact that the ground balls are over fifty percent, and the soft contact and the medium contact. And you look at all that kind of stuff. The reason the Babbitt was low was because he was hitting balls that were easy to field.
1: Yeah, but uh, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, with all the changes that have been made and new manager, especially, this is very much going to be a play it by ear kind of season. I think. I don't think it really. I don't think there's a lot that's set in stone at this point in time.
0: No, no, there's not. And I think there's kind of that almost positive energy among some of the players, maybe including Elmora, because they feel like this is a whole new thing to us. So maybe they see this as a better chance for more opportunity. For Maybe a guy like Elmora thinks that, a guy yeah. like Ian Hap thinks that. I think maybe a window to them.
1: I think that would be the correct mindset to carry into this season.
0: There's going to be opportunity to try new things and to see what works. So it's going to open up some doors and and going into and going into the next topic I had, because it kind of relates. We had Cubs convention last week. Uh, A, A very different Cubs convention, to say the least. Frickin' Cubs con, man. (laughs) the thing i took away i mean there's a lot of things you could take away but for the team itself the players on the field put everything else to the side the team itself under david ross this is a season where i think you're going to see a lot of philosophical changes and you know what i think a lot of things were revealed to us in kind of a a subtle way i think it was kyle schwarber that was mentioning how laid back everything was, like super laid back everything was by the end, under Joe Madden, and I love Joe Madden, but you know what i I think that hurt them a little bit. I think I, they got a little too happy, too content,
1: yeah, I think that you know the that laid back atmosphere you really can only have that if you're playing. Uh, to your potential if you're mentally sharp on the baseball field and, and this team clearly was not lots of defensive mistakes, lots of base running mistakes, fielding errors. you, you can't have that. you know if that kind of stuff is going to be going on, then it's a pretty bad look when you hear that things are really laid back in the clubhouse, with the manager, et cetera. so so maybe maybe this is what they need someone to to keep them mentally sharp.
0: So this week – and I'm sorry, Adam. I'm going to go back to a quick hockey analogy here. My apologies. Yeah, go, go for
1: it. Go for it. You know what? I, I respect hockey. There, there's a lot of sports that I don't watch, uh, hockey being one of them. But I, I at least respect hockey. That's that's a man's sport, you know, out there on the ice beating the crap out of each other. <laughs> I, I like that. I As opposed to soccer, you know, that's – that's where that's where they, they lose my respect because you know what what can you do the very second you can stand up as an infant you can kick things you can kick crap there's so there's nothing there's nothing that impressive about soccer to me because any 2-year-old can kick am i right or am i right well
0: i can't really kick and neither can any bears kickers since
1: robbie gold left but that's another i mean story am i wrong though any two-year-old can kick a ball show me a two-year-old who can throw a baseball or catch a baseball or throw a football or shoot a free throw
0: okay i'm gonna just say okay boomer and shut down adam now that's
1: fine that's fine I'll (laughs) i'll take that as a compliment actually okay okay
0: But uh, anyway, going back to my hockey analogy, uh, this week I was at the Blackhawks-Panthers game, and that was the great return of Joel Quenville, the coach that led the Blackhawks to three Stanley Cups last decade. Three Stanley Cups, five trips to the Western Conference Finals, and you know what? They were robbed of a fourth cup. That's a rant for another time. But anyway, you still won three. You won more than any other decade. And this is not me trying to say like I'm anti Joe Madden, but I think you look back at the ten years of joel Quenville and joe Madden and while Joe Madden's accomplishment is much more historical, I mean just on the whole sports spectrum, baseball's a bigger sport than hockey. The Chicago Cubs winning the World Series was bigger than a Blackhawk Stanley Cup you know worldwide a bigger story. But you see the real difference between two guys like that. Joel Quenville did not let the team be satisfied with one Stanley Cup. He did not let things get too laid back. Quite the opposite, actually. His mustache would go aflaming when he (laughs) wasn't happy. That man kept everyone in check, everyone ready. And he went on to win multiple championships. In an era of sports where winning multiple championships in a short amount of time is incredibly difficult. And I think Joe Madden will go down as one of the best coaches that this city has seen. But Joel Quenville is arguably the second best coach in this city's history. And you can see the differences between the two. And I just think my overall point is that you can't just be satisfied with one. You can't get too laid back. And I know Joe Madden has always been a more laid back guy. I just think that from what we've heard, from what we've observed, and we'll never truly fully understand what it was like in that clubhouse, but it, it just felt like it got too laid back to a point that was too far and david ross is i don't know if he's going to be a good manager or not but one thing's for certain it's not going to be dave and busters all the time in the club in the cubs dugout
1: yeah i mean when when you start playing poorly and making mistakes all the time the whole quirky shtick kind of gets old to you and so i agree and i i think this is what they need at the very least we have Uh, the reassurance that things might be different this season. And I think think that's good enough for now.
0: Right, exactly. I think David Ross has the potential. Again, I don't know if he's going to be an actual good manager or not, but I think you're going to see, with a new manager, more focus, maybe more discipline. And I guess, like I said earlier, kind of a bigger feeling of opportunity for some of these guys. Things are just going to be different.
1: I think so too. This is going to be a prove it year for a lot of people, I think.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, this year they haven't made a lot of moves. We don't know if they'll make many others. Uh so they're going to go out saying, "Hey, we are essentially the same team last year. We failed last year. We completely failed." It doesn't matter if we were still above 500, we failed. And we're going to go out and show the world that we can still be here. Whether or not they will is up for debate. We'll only see when it actually happens. But I think there will be a more sense of urgency or hunger. And I know we said that in years past, but it feels more true for some of these guys when you have a new philosophy in place and a new uh captain at the wheel
1: i agree and, and i like it i i think it it adds a little bit more excitement this year because i i know going into the 2019 offseason you know it, it really felt like more of the same was coming And it feels a little different this time. I I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic, also a lot of reasons to be nervous. But Mm -hmm. overall, I'd say, you know, none of us really knows what to expect out of the Cubs this year. And to me, to me, I I like that. You like a
0: mystery. You like a little bit of suspense.
1: Yeah, it's a sign of hope. It's an interesting take.
0: I, I personally, my money is not on the Cubs going on a deep playoff run this coming year. But I also sit here and say, well, it, the projections don't look fantastic. I, there's a lot of holes on this team. But I think there are areas we'll see improvements. I just my, my big thing is, is it enough to beat the top competition in the National League? A few years ago, it was now it's it's probably not. I mean, right now, you got to imagine the Dodgers are the favorites in the NL. The Nationals are going to be right up there. The Braves are going to be right out there. The Cardinals, I think their pitching is going to carry them, but I think it can only carry them so far because I just don't think, as of right now, their lineup is all that intimidating. But they do have some I good agree. arms. The Reds will be pesky. I think the Brewers will drop off a little bit, but they'll find a way to still be there you have a great core in place. You just need depth and more reliable arms in the pen and probably one more reliable starter too. you. Cause 'cause here's the thing. The holes, the holes, you know, are, are what they are. They're not a mystery. You know where the holes are. You know, the holes are in the bullpen. You know, the holes are in the depth. You know, the holes are lower in the rotation and you have worries there, but you know, you got a great core. And I think it's very reasonable to think that the fundamentals won't be as bad next year because I don't think they could get much worse with this group because the fundamentals in 2019 were terrible. Yeah, that's an
1: understatement, I think. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, fresh minds, teaching them how to do things will help. And I think consistency with the hitting coach will help. I am still concerned about the lack of contact guys and the bench but you know I think at least the addition is, of Steven Souza will again not put them over the top not make them all much better but it is it is a decent addition if he is healthy and playing at his
1: at his top level I think the it, it... A lot of it, it's going to come down to the first half of the season, I think. I don't think, for this Cubs team to make a significant playoff push, I don't think that they can get hot in the second half. I no. think they need to play well enough in the first half to incentivize the front office to make some moves.
0: Yeah, because think about it. If you're, if it's July and you're like eight games back, I think at this point you're probably
1: selling. Probably, yeah, that's, so that's what I mean. I, I think that they have to be competitive enough and prove that they can make a significant run to pressure the front office into trading for some bullpen pieces or some depth, uh, maybe a, a mid-tier starter. But they've got to prove to the front office that they can do this.
0: Right. I mean, the realistic reality is, for me, if the Cubs want to win the division, a lot is going to have to go Right.
1: Yeah, I just I would really, really hate to see the Cubs uh, be, you know, like you said, eight or so games back by the trade deadline and then see the team sell and then have the Cubs go on a really hot streak in the second half and get close to making the playoffs. Because then everybody's just going to be thinking, oh, God, what if we didn't sell? What if we would have added? What could we have done? I would really hate to see that happen. It would be frustrating. But it, it wouldn't surprise me at this point, the
0: way the last few years in the city have gone for sports. It, it, it would be it would be off the walls crazy if that happened, but not, not impossible. Not impossible. I think there's a number of guys that Theo and Co are looking at to have huge bounce-back seasons, not only to help the team, but in case the team isn't good and they're trade chips. Big one being Craig Kimbrell. And I think you could look at a guy like Jose Quintana. On the last year of his deal, affordable. If he has a really good season and they're out of it, that's a good trade piece right there. I think like him and Kimber would be two of the ideal guys. Do I think Brian, if Bryant doesn't get dealt this offseason and someone really wants to give him a package, I'm sure they'd be listening. I'm sure Kyle Schwarber mm-hmm. could attract some suitors. You know, it's it's yeah, going to be interesting I mean, to think about I, if they're not if they're in that position to sell.
1: I think the the trade deadline is a, an even better time to do that than the off season because I mean, by the time the trade deadline gets close, there's going to be some guys get hurt and who knows maybe maybe a serious contending team loses a huge bat and then all of a sudden the price tag on Bryant just jumps.
0: Yep, they're going to dangle Chris Bryant like a, a fancy set of keys to a Lamborghini. Yeah. Going back to CubsCon, so I think one thing that has a lot of fans upset, rightfully so, and frankly, I'm a little bit annoyed about it, too, uh, this whole marquee sports network thing. When is this going to get figured out? Because they clearly expressed their frustration, the fans did, at CubsCon. And you know what? I I can't blame them for that. I, I can't. I mean, this is how we're going to watch the games. And they're provided on some outlets, but not like the most important ones like YouTube TV and Xfinity. I don't know yeah. when they're going to figure that out. I think that's that's one of the biggest takeaways from the convention.
1: Yeah, for all the hype that was around the Cubs, the marquee network, the there's been a lot of letdown. I mean, this this is kind of a PR nightmare for the Cubs at the moment. Yeah, and Craig
0: Kenny was on the uh, the radio. I think it was yesterday, yesterday morning. I was driving to work and I was listening to it, and he was saying how a lot of the negotiation or the primary negotiations goes through Sinclair because they're the operators. I just they had this deal put together for a while now. I just I don't get what the holdup is. Craig Kenny claims that every network goes at their own pace with negotiations, and the negotiations. Uh, That they're having with them are similar to those they had with like DirecTV. Like, as in the offer was the same. The negotiations themselves just went quicker, even though the offer was the same. Uh, The the only thing is, we just we don't know when this is going to happen. And speaking of which, I know this is out of the Cubs' control right now, but when the heck is that Chris Bryant grievance going to be solved?
1: It was supposed to have been solved already based on everything we had heard.
0: Oh, it'll get solved this week. It'll get solved this week. It'll get solved this week. Yeah. Uh, and I truly believe that's what's holding them back by making bigger moves. They're waiting for the ruling because that's going to affect the value of Chris Bryant. I mean, think about it. The Braves and the Nationals have been pretty interested in him, right? You know that. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, the Braves, the Braves, I think, wanted to retain Josh Donaldson.
0: And he went to the Twins, which made this whole Chris Bryant thing even more Mm -hmm. interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, Nationals losing Rendon.
0: Mm -hmm. And they, both teams, the Braves and the Nats, have deep systems, both on the ball club and in in their farm. Got a lot of tradable assets.
1: Even the, the Padres are an interesting suitor, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, hey, he would play close to his his hometown. You know, he was he was in Vegas, and he went to San Diego. So that would more, uh, more familiar territory. That would
1: be a pretty pretty stacked infield of Bryant Machado and Hosmer.
0: Yeah, no kidding. And if you get Fernando Tatis Jr. healthy yeah. again, yeah, I just uh, I couldn't imagine him playing in that ballpark though.
1: It would be weird. It would be really weird seeing him in Petco, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of weird seeing Machado still at Petco.
1: Yeah, it really is.
0: I don't think at this point anyone can accurately say when that grievance is going to be ruled upon. Nobody knows. I I think anyone who's saying that they're looking to get it done this week is literally just a shot in the dark and seeing if it actually hits.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, if history repeats itself, then everyone's predictions are going to be wrong.
0: Yeah, true. So there's that. There was some very interesting news to come out of Marquis, I will say, and that's all the people that they brought on board. That includes former manager Lou Pinella, Jason Hamill, Carlos Pena, uh, Mark DeRosa, and Jim and Len will be back as the primary broadcasters. There's a bunch of other names, too. Those are the ones I could just think off at the top of my head. But it'll be interesting to see Lou Piniella back. I'm not exactly sure what he's going to do. The only thing I could see him doing is just opening up a bottle of scotch and talking about baseball <laughs> uh, from his uh, sandy beach down in Florida. That's all I, I can just,
1: see. I want to see Lou Piniella throwing stuff, really. You know what would be really funny? Hmm. If um, –
0: David Ross got really mad at a call, and instead of him going out there and just arguing, he just points in the tunnel and says, (laughs) get out there. And all of a sudden, Lou Pinella just comes slowly (laughs) jogging out like he used to, and then he just starts going crazy on them. That would be fantastic. Lou's, Lou's an interesting guy. He's not really a broadcast type, but he has done it before. He's got a personality,
1: and he did color on box. Maybe that's what makes him an intriguing broadcast guy, the fact that he's not a broadcast guy. He is and he isn't.
0: Like, he's done broadcasting before, but he's not the type. He's not, you know, he's not a a typical broadcaster with, like, the really smooth voice and the
1: that's you know he he's Lou Pinella you know uh, well 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 what would be great uh, we, about him you could, there's exactly a million run of the mill broadcasters there's only one Lou Piniella.
0: yeah he's very very unique and I always enjoyed listening to like his rants or when he got angry or when he just said Oh, I'm done with everything I'm just gonna go crack open a bottle of scotch and uh, well uh, whatever no, you know what that, that I... was
1: always fun. I would subscribe to that show, just an hour of Lou Piniella sitting by the fire, drinking scotch, and rambling about whatever is on his mind. I would watch that.
0: Every episode. Yeah, I would yes watch the, that it,
1: religiously.
0: He has to finish a bottle every episode, a full let's, bottle of scotch. Let's produce that.
1: I mean, we're All just, right. we're cranking out way better ideas than anyone on the Cubs, aren't we?
0: Yeah, I think so. Let's propose this. Let's get this going. And it's going to be the number one program on Marquee that's not a Cubs game.
1: I love it. Ricketts, if you're listening, please hire us. The we can give you all these ideas and more. The Lewin Scotch
0: Hour on Marquee oh. Sports. It's like you have a bottle of scotch
1: and like the top cap is just his face. And then after that... We, we make our own line of scotch, our own line of Lou Pinella scotch, and along with the TV show, the Cubs will have their own scotch flying off the shelves. Look at this. Look how much money we're making for the Cubs. Think about when you go to Gallagher
0: Way and you go into the gift shop. There will just be a whole row just filled with bottles of that scotch for people to buy. The possibilities are endless. Dude, and think about it. If we get a deal with Benny's Beverage Depot... Oh, we're really gonna rake
1: in the dough. Oh, this this has got to become reality. This this is it, needs it has to happen. To.
0: Hey, Madden's post is gone, so you can you replace gotta that. Got to fill that void now. It, yeah, with lose. <laughs> it's like it's like scotch and just random junk food.
1: I I will devote every every minute of my time now to making lose scotch hour a reality. Every fiber of my being will be devoted to making this dream come true.
0: I think it would be a great way to rejuvenate a fan base that's kind of on edge right now. Yes. Like, you know, he'll be like the Bob Ross of Scotches in baseball. The Bob Ross of Scotch. (laughs) A lot angrier though.
1: I, I like that and that could be that could be a great selling point. The Bob Ross of Scotch.
0: Yeah, he's he's a connoisseur of Scotch. He'll he'll talk about life like Bob Ross. He'll talk about his passions like Bob Ross. He'll have his little quirks like Bob Ross, except they're not like Bob Ross. They're much angrier and filled yeah, with, could, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. Exactly. It could be like Bob Ross, but rated R. Yeah, and with less paint and more Scotch. Yeah, and we, instead of happy little accidents, we'll have angry little accidents. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we just come up with the best ideas, don't we? We do. I don't know if there's really anything else I wanted to talk about from CubsCon because, I mean, the rest of it was okay. Yeah, we know. Yeah. Fan base is on edge. CubsCon's dumb. CubsCon is pretty mild compared to, like, other conventions.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not about to, to try to compare it to, like, a a comic book convention or something like that. But What's your I cosplays just, everywhere? Yeah, freaking cosplayers. I just think people view CubsCon as an outlet for them to voice their concerns, and that's not what it's supposed to be. <laughs>
0: Well, I think uh, I think it's one of those things where they have the right to be heard. I just don't think it's going to really change
1: anything. I don't think they do. I disagree. I don't think that the average fan has the right to be heard.
0: Well, I mean, they have unless they have security guards coming and taping their mouths shut. They can do whatever they want.
1: Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, when I say they don't have the right to be heard, I mean that they aren't entitled to the Ricketts sitting there and listening to their concerns. They own the team. It's their business. They can do whatever they want, and that's the end of the story. Well, I mean, I think there's multiple it, ways to look at that. I mean, it's kind of people can say, they oh, are the, you know They what? are the we... paying
0: customers. I mean, they are the paying customers.
1: So, I mean, that's that's like me saying, you know, I, I do my grocery shopping at, at this store, so I I have the right to to tell the manager what foods I want stocked. Well, you can complain. You are the customer. I can try. I don't have the right to have a sit-down with yeah, the higher-ups. Yeah, you
0: are the customer.
1: No, I don't. Yeah,
0: you they, do. See the,
1: the way it works. the way it works is if I'm unhappy, I'll stop shopping there, and that sends the message to the higher-ups that they need to make a change. I don't have the right to sit down with them and tell them how I think things should be just because I buy hot dogs there. Just you like can write
0: reviews. You can write buying, complaints.
1: Buying tickets. That's what they Buying Chris Bryant jerseys and buying tickets to games doesn't make you a, a, a shareholder. Makes you a paying customer, though. And that's it. And that doesn't really entitle you to anything. It just makes you a paying customer. And Most it's, it's want the same. To it's be the better, same.
0: You can it's, voice it's the your same, opinion.
1: It's the same situation with the Cubs. If things continue this way and fans are, really are as unhappy as they say they are, they'll stop buying tickets. They'll stop buying merchandise, and that will send the message to the higher-ups, that they need to make necessary the necessary changes. That's the way it works. Up. Me, as a fan, as a paying customer, I am not entitled to sit with Ricketts face-to-face and tell them what I think needs to be done. Yeah, but you have to be able to take feedback as well on criticism.
0: Gordon I... Ramsey says that about his restaurants.
1: Ideally, yes, but you, you don't have to. There's nothing, there's nothing that says you have to do that. But you can. You can, and maybe sometimes you should, but you most certainly do not have to. Let the market decide. I
0: think it's okay to let let out some of your opinions, but I also, I also think there is a level to it. I also think that the ownership now doesn't fully understand why some people are unhappy, truly. That was kind of telling to me at Cubs convention, frankly. And that's fair. That's fair like when he asked why are you booing the marquee network i mean why do you think most of us don't won't be able to access it and we used to have access with cubs games easily and now we don't
1: it's it it felt a little tone deaf to me but that's just me and that's fair and you know and if the marquee network is a failure then you know then they'll know they need to make some changes like frankly i was okay
0: with people booing marquee i
1: i'll, I'll be honest with you yeah, I, I'm indifferent. I really don't care.
0: Well, clearly
1: you don't. Clearly.
0: Well, you know what? I think that's going to do it for this episode of Climbing the Ivy. I want to thank all our listeners. I want to thank Adam for coming on. As always, you could check out Cubby's Crib at cubbiescrib dot com. You could also check out their Twitter and Facebook page. So be sure to go on and give the content to read and give the other podcasts to listen. You could also check out this podcast at itunes.com. Until next time, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night.